Yes! Yes! Daniel Bryan? A little Daniel Bryan. He made a comeback. I don't know if you saw that. No, I don't Last care. Night, don't watch WWE it. TLC. Came back and attacked Bray Wyatt. He cut anyway, his hair off? Yeah, he cut his hair off. They said he looks the same. They did the... Uh, the first day of the decade versus last. They call him American Dragon. I stopped watching in the early 2010s and got back in when Goldberg came back in 16. Where Whatever. am I? Yeah. So, I'll tell you where you <laughs> the are, The only wrestling you are in, radio show. You <laughs> are in Philadelphia, the home of the recently 2-0 Philadelphia Eagles, who had absolutely stunning victories over the powerhouse New York football giants, who Ryan Lennox on the other side of the glass was super excited to, to don his apparel for. Kenwood, but. And, and, no, it's Philadelphia, wink, wink. And the Washington Redskins. What did both games have in common? Anthony's favorite quarterback led the team down the field for game-winning drives. And we are going to talk about it. So first, let me introduce Anthony Sanfilippo, who you can find on Twitter, at AntSanPhilly. I'll say it again. The Eagles are winning the division. <laughs> well, here we go. Here we oh, go. I can't wait to do this tonight. Uh, and across, I, across from me, Bob <laughs> Wankel. Find him on Twitter at Bob Wankel CB. <laughs> Not even waiting for your introduction. This is going to be fun tonight. Yeah. Man. I'm actually here just to talk about Carson Weds. That's good. Yeah. So that's I think that's going to be uh, topic one, two, and three tonight. Is that Good. what we're doing? And no, next I'm actually to, not going to be that, as combative as you as you think. So and next to uh, to Bob is our friend Kevin Kincaid. Find him on Twitter at Kevin underscore Kincaid. Yo, <laughs> Every, everything sucks. Let, let me say something about Kevin. What, the problem with Kevin right now, and I hope Does he's listening. Care? I hope he's listening. Does anyone care that the Kev, Eagles won? Kevin's yeah. not here, right? And Kevin's I love not, Kevin. Kevin's not here because he's sick. He's been sick for, for three weeks. It's okay? been bad. Okay, and the reason why he's sick for three weeks, and Russ, I think you'll agree with me oh, on this. This, this is going to be a warning for you because if the Wankles are planting children down the road after you buy your new house, this might be something that you need to understand. Oh, the Crossing Broad comment section trolls are going to find Bob's new house. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, when you, you know, when you're young and 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 you know, and you're you, you don't have kids, you you find that you're immune to everything. You don't mm-hmm. get sick. You never get sick, right? Then all of a sudden you have children, and it's like you start getting sick all the time. It's like, what the heck happened? Those kids bring new illnesses into your house and into your life for years, and you will be sick all the time. And Kevin is now experiencing it for the first time with his young child that he is now constantly sick. How many times are you or Nancy? Feeling terrible. Throwing, throwing wife names out there. Well, it happens, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, I mean, also, if you work in a school, you're well, constantly sick as well. Yeah, but you work in a high school. Which, it's different. Well, we've got high school germs, elementary school germs, daycare germs, and preschool germs. Yeah. Our house is a Petri dish. Yeah. We've got great immunities going on. But yeah, Kevin's, Kevin is learning by virtue of the uh, the daycare right, that's the what child it is. that uh, life gets, life comes at you fast. Yeah. And Bob will learn it soon. Bob, you're next. Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. If we'll you see so choose, no pressure. Anthony just we'll wants to be named the Godfather. Us. We'll see what 2020 brings us. Yeah. <laughs> no. God, so, the Godfather's the manager of the Giants. What are you kidding? Uh, okay. <laughs> wow. Gabe Kapler hate to start the show? Really? Gabe Kapler is uh, gone. Bob's. Uh, Bob, can, we get, can we get to the why Eagles here, guys? Come on. They're talking about you know, kids. Wait, you don't want to wait, lead off with Didi Gregorius and uh, Zach Wheeler being introduced to the media. We got to talk about them at some point today. Yeah. Do we? Yeah, we'll get to that. I don't know. Maybe we could just go check out Crossed Up over in the. Yeah, uh, we'll get to on that. all the podcast platforms. Okay, fine. We'll get to that later. Let's talk about the Eagles. They've won two games since our last episode. Um, 
we knew that the game against the Giants was going to be uh, a, a worse ride than we had hoped it would be. The Redskins game, I thought, was a, a little bit more of a shock. I don't know. We, I think going into the most minute detail about each game seems nonsensical at this point. Yeah. Maybe it's just macro perspective on those two games and where they go from here. Yeah, I'll pick up on that. I mean, you know, the Eagles are not an enjoyable product. You watch them for three hours, it's ugly. It's hard to feel good about them for more than five consecutive minutes. They do something good, it's immediately followed by something that's that's brutal. And so it's it's an excruciating three hours to watch the Eagles do their jobs. But at the end of the day, like they won the game. They won the game last week and come back, you know, come from behind fashion. One of the things that we've all been pining for is to see Carson Wentz perform late when his back's up against the wall. He did it. I'd be the first to tell you, I was thoroughly unimpressed with the first half of that game, really the first three quarters of that game, but they did it. Yesterday, same deal. Bad Washington team. Made a lot of mistakes early. Backs up against the wall. Season on the line. They did it. And so, when you look at 12-13 win football teams, even if you go back and look at the 2017 Eagles, look at some of the games that they played early in the season. Not all that impressive. They escaped the Giants with a 60-plus yard field goal in week three. It sent them on a run. Sometimes you have to win ugly just to set yourselves up and hope it clicks. Clearly, their deficiencies are well on display for everybody, and they've been well and thoroughly documented at this point. But they're here. They're at home. They're playing for what is essentially a division championship on Sunday afternoon. And I don't know how you could watch the last two weeks and not be at least a little bit excited about what awaits us in six days from now. You're you're right, Bob. We agree. All right, we agree. No, the team. No, but the team has not played well, but they've played well enough to win. And it's funny. And I'm glad that you pointed out that sometimes good teams have to win ugly or even have bad games. I mean, I look at, you know, just this year in the NFL, I mean, it's, it's I think it's clear that, you know, San Francisco and New Orleans, probably the two best teams in the NFC. Maybe you can make an argument for Seattle. Um, but, I mean, I think the San Francisco and New Orleans are two best teams. They both lost games to the Falcons at home. The Falcons are 5-9. and nine. Yeah. Okay? And, 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 and you know, the, the Saints game was ugly. They lost bad at home. The 49ers was a look-ahead game because they looked ahead. They got the Rams and the Seahawks to close the season they thought it was going to be a cakewalk and the Falcons punched them in the mouth so sometimes those things happen even to really good teams so you know what if you're a 500 team which the Eagles are and and you are what you are your record says you are then you know you're going to have some games where you have to win ugly some games where you're going to lose ugly and I give them credit too after the the Miami game and just the debacle that that was they could have packed it in they could have packed it in last season you know this is the second straight year where they could have said listen we're two years removed from a Super Bowl we won a playoff game last year this just isn't our season. Everyone's hurt. Key player after key player goes down, but they don't. And, you know, like I said, when all the chips are pushed to the middle of the table the last two weeks, though it has been ugly, they've responded. And I think that there's something to be said for that. I will also say this. You know, I've been very vocal about Carson Wentz and really just kind of to, to say that I expected him to be the MVP of football this season. Clearly, there have been things that have happened around him that have aided his struggles or or when he has struggled this season. You know, I was impressed with him in each of the last two weeks. He's made mistakes. He's missed throws. But again, with the cast that he has and to play the fourth quarters that he did in each of these last two games is impressive. I mean... You know, you can look at this and say, I want this guy to improve on X, Y, and Z. And there are things that I think he definitely needs to get better mm-hmm. at. He missed throws yesterday that he should have made. And so does every quarterback, right? 
But I will say that one of the things that has been my key criticism of him is that in the fourth quarter, when things went wrong around him, they just didn't win. And we would talk about, well, if this guy would have made this play or if they would have had that catch, and I would, I, I, my response to that's been, so what? You got to find a way. And he's found a way now the last two weeks. And yeah, well, he's you, found, and, and here, I'm going to play the other side of this. For, for It's going to be funny that we're taking kind of a role reversal here for a second. He did find a way to win, but he found a way to win against bad teams, bad teams okay sure. um the, the, so the fact of the matter is is that what i'm what your argument to say well you got to find a way to win sometimes it, that's the only way you're going to win is if it's against a bad team yeah because when you look at what he's th- i mean he's got no receivers greg ward is the only wide receiver who caught a ball yesterday yeah. and they scored 37 points he institutional three arrogance well it might yes you're right russ it Wait, is come back yeah, I mean, to my you favorite to, phrase. to Doug Peterson today talk about, you know, uh, well, situationally, it was tough to find a role for Greg Ward. I mean, it does not take a, an advanced NFL scout here to, to assess what's happening and say this guy by far gives them the best, Certainly. The best reps. I mean, he should be he should be playing. He should have been playing ahead of Ortega Whiteside. Yeah. I mean, God forbid that guy yesterday, the catch Dallas Goddard made had he had to make that catch because Ortega Whiteside ran into ran into yeah. him and knocked him off his route. Let me ask you this: Nelson Aguilar could possibly return for Sunday. No. Uh, certainly not having a great season. I think that we've all kind of checked out on Aguilar at this point. Here's my question: Would you rather mess with the chemistry of what's been out there for the last two weeks, or would you say, "Hey, listen, I, I know he's imperfect, but at the same time, he just—he's going to be an upgrade over Ortega Whiteside. You need him out there. He's got to play. He's got to play, right? He's got to play. Yeah. If he's available, he's got to play. I mean, look, I mean, Greg Ward's probably still your number one target. Amongst the wide receivers, obviously Ertz and Goddard are ahead of him, uh, and probably Sanders as well. Um, maybe even Boston Scott. <laughs> um, but well, speaking of him, seven catches yesterday, yeah, only thirty-nine yeah. yards. But again, yeah. I think thirteen total touches. I give Doug Peterson credit. You yeah. know, he's taken a lot of heat this year, and and some of it is much deserved. But here we are again, given the pieces that he has, the team scored thirty-one points offensively yesterday. Yeah, you know, and. I think that you have to kind of tip your cap to him. Yeah. Well, how do I put this in a nice way? Nelson Aguilar should be nowhere, should be allowed nowhere near this football team. So you're on the other side of Uh, this then. Here's the problem. You only dress three healthy wide receivers. That's an issue. I do not dispute that. I'm not saying that there's anybody on the practice squad who is better, but this is what I will say. The the sheer notion that because J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has been a massive disappointment based on where he was drafted, second round, 57th overall, the idea that you should now turn back to Nelson Aguilar negates the human element and the lack of trust that might now exist between Carson Wentz and Nelson Aguilar. Because for large stretches of this season, Nelson Aguilar has had to be the number one target outside of the tight end position. And what exactly has he done with that opportunity? If I'm Carson Wentz, I've hit this guy on the numbers how many times? I have watched near-perfect passes towards the back of the end zone get poorly tracked, dropped, flat-out missed by Nelson Aguilar. Mm -hmm. Do I think that a defensive coordinator is going to game plan to take Nelson Aguilar out of this game? No. No, I don't. No, No, but you you have to account for him. I... Right? I genuinely wonder... How much you have to plan? They don't. Throw, they don't throw the ball to Arthega Whiteside. They don't throw the ball to Perkins, 
rarely, right? So who th- he throws to Ertz, Goddard, Ward, Sanders, Sanders and Scott. Scott. That's it. And but if I'm you not, throw but- Aguilar out there, even if you only throw to him three, four times in the game total, it at least makes the defensive coordinator think about it. And it's, that it's might, a far from ideal might scenario, but he would be open up for everybody. He else. would represent the one player on the field outside of Miles Sanders who could possibly get downfield, get you twenty-five yards on one play. Yeah, and that's something this team desperately lacks. They've lacked it for weeks, but again, that was on full display yesterday. Just these painfully long drives, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen plays down the field. They don't have that quick strike in a, you know that quick strike ability, and it, it's. It's going to get them. It may get them Sunday. Uh, but, you know, that's that's something that I think for that very reason, he has to be on the field, even if it's going to be potentially disruptive to the chemistry. And I understand your position on this. I do. The The only question I guess I have is, I know that Perkins, Perkins' frame looks more like a receiver to me, but he's he seems to have, like, the the assets, the skills of a tight end. Like, it, it's kind of like a weird sort of hodgepodge for a player. I almost wonder if if this is a scenario where, all right, technically you only have three receivers stressed, but you lean more on packages that that utilize all three tight ends, where you start playing more. Like, they play a lot of two tight ends, right? Is using three on a given play that bad of a thing? Is leaning on a running game that has been very successful with Miles Sanders, eventually, if they are they going to get Jordan Howard back at any point? And Philly Scott doing really well. I will not call <laughs> You're him. You're not going to call I won't call No, if, if Goddard is now Philly Goddard, then we absolutely... I think Scott has now earned Philly Scott. You know he's, what? he's our new Darren Sproles. He's like Darren Sproles, except cheaper and actually good. <laughs> Sorry, I'm the yeah. bad guy. Yeah, I yeah, love Darren 12, Sproles. 12 but, years younger, too. Except Darren Sproles play on the field well, this year is almost as bad as his Cure Auto Insurance commercial. About this so game and, and what makes me a little bit concerned about it. I guess there's a few things that make me concerned about this upcoming game, but... The Eagles are offensively what they are. I mean, what? how much can they really deviate from what they've shown over the last two weeks? And I feel like that that does, from a game-planning standpoint, as an opposing defense, I think it makes their jobs a lot easier. I mean, you know what the Eagles want to be at this point. They're going to work in some screens. They're going to work in Zach Ertz. They're going to work Dallas Goddard. They're going to try to get Boston Scott, the football in the flat. That's what they do. What is the added wrinkle that they can bring to the table this week that – Dallas isn't going to be ready for I'm, and and that's what I come back to what can they do this week that's going to throw Dallas off guard I don't think there is anything right like that's the that's the problem is it's not like it's not like when you've had a guy who's been out most of the season and you're getting back the reinforcements like my favorite is when the Flyers came back from down three games to nothing against Boston yes right in, in 2010 yeah because it felt like every game they started getting an, a guy back. It was getting back a real difference maker, and it was somebody that the opposing coaching staff hadn't, hadn't, appear, yeah, like uh, hadn't prepared Aguilar. for. Yeah. You're not getting Alshon Jeffrey back. Deshaun Jackson, you only get back if you make the conference final, maybe. I think that They're, they he just can come back in the divisional round. Yeah. I believe. Yeah. I mean, it's just getting like, way ahead of ourselves there. Conceptually, for that, yes. I there's understand. nobody there, and that's a shame. And then it also speaks to, once again, this is my problem. Say Anthony's right, they win the division. We play out Anthony's fantasy from a week ago that they win a wild card game against probably San Francisco now. And then, Still gonna and, be and then they and then they lose Still gonna be in the divisional round. I, I still think that we've seen enough this year to say, all right, 
there have to be some fundamental changes in the front office and the evaluation of players because this is where you should be able to lean on your organizational depth and you haven't been able to because you've drafted poorly. And by the way, institutional arrogance, Greg Ward was rotting on the practice squad the majority of the season. Not just this while, season. Uh, two yeah. seasons. While Mac Hollins was occupying a roster spot with no intention of catching the ball. While Nelson Aguilar struggled. Granted, he was a high draft pick. That's a whole thing. GMs don't like to admit they were wrong. He had a good year, the, the Super Bowl season. But the fact remains that Greg Ward, who ended up looking like your best receiver on the field, sat on the practice squad. And these are the kind of moments where you should be able to lean on that group and get some kind of contribution. And and they, quite frankly, don't have it. They still have to make changes in the well, offseason. What if I told you, does he get credit for Boston Scott? Does he get credit for the fact that Greg Ward is still on this team? I mean, I guess with Greg Ward specifically, they've almost kind of lucked into it. He've, he yeah. could have gone anywhere else. If he had gotten claimed by somebody. You know, I don't know. I mean, there has been. I, I mean, I think the jury's out on still out on Boston Scott. He's had a couple nice games. Don't get me wrong, but is Boston Scott really going to be Darren Sproles, or is Boston Scott no. just a kid that's come in and played well and given in, uh, given the circumstances? But over the course, I think he's earned a roster spot next season. Probably, I but think it's, we're there. Yeah, okay. He's already yeah. better than Jeremy Bloom, so there's that. <laughs> Jeremy Bloom. Right. I mean, that's the only thing. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, I give him credit for it, sure. Obviously, Carson Wentz yesterday, the fumbles are concerned. Everybody's seen the stats. He fumbles the ball at just a (laughs) very alarming rate. He's fumbled it 14 times in the last eight games. He has 14 fumbles on the season. Seven of them have been lost. All 14 fumbles have come in the last eight games. That's absurd. That's obviously problematic. The thing that kind of excites me, though. Okay. We talk about, you know, everyone wants to talk about 2017, and that's the thing that I've kind of grown very tired of hearing about. Well, what about the the 13 games in 2017? I've moved on from that. Yesterday, that ball that he threw to Miles Sanders. Was unbelievable. That was the first time that I've watched this man play in two years where I've said, that is an elite-level play, where I said, now this is something tangible that you can point to. And you say, how many quarterbacks in the NFL can make that play? And there are a few. Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, maybe Dak. I don't know. But there's only a handful of guys, maybe six, seven tops, that are going to be able to make that play. That's an elite-level play. And it's something that I have not seen from him in two years. I know the statistics. You've thrown them out. Touchdown to interception. Yardage is there. You know, I get all of that. But yesterday, just the eye test, you saw that laser. I think somebody tweeted it out. It might have been Jimmy Kemsky did a little math on it. Said, like, that thing probably registered at roughly 63 miles an hour. I mean, he threw that through three people, essentially. That's an elite throw. The ball to Greg Ward with the touch. You know, I've been the first to say, like, he lacks touch, lacks accuracy. It was a beautiful throw in a high-pressure situation. Those are elite level throws. That's the first time. Do you, uh, do you find that his throws are better when he's under pressure? It yes. sure feels like. And it. when he's on the move. And when he's on the move, well, yeah, he's but, a way better quarterback on the move. But I mean, even other, even that the touch pass, he had a man right in his face when he yeah. lets it go, and puts a beautiful ball there. But if they, but if he's standing in the pocket and has time to think about it and throw it, it it's kind of like the shortstop that as, goes like backhand in the hole yeah. and just lets it rip, yeah. right? Like the arm strength's yeah. there. And it's just natural athleticism. Yeah. But when he has to take a couple shuffles and like let it go across the infield, he kind of gets the yips a little bit. Yeah. And just that's sort of what it feels like with him sometimes. I mean, he had a ball yesterday. I forget the intended target. It was completed, but just the momentum was completely stopped. He threw it about two yards short. Guy had to come back to it. Yeah. No yards after catch. 
you know, and those are the throws that I think he needs to be more consistent on. But yesterday, I'm telling you, that was what my main takeaway was. And if that translates, if that is the one thing that I think that the Eagles, and I hate to do this, I hate this, and I know you hate it, but it sets up this situation on Sunday where if he plays well and he has that that next level game, the Eagles can win this game. If he has an ordinary game, considering his cast around him, they probably don't win. So this really is on his shoulders. I mean, I think a lot's going to depend on the defense too. Defense has been terrible after I mean, carrying them week after week. For the last yeah, three they weeks, had, you know, this like six-week stretch where they, they were really elite. stepped up, and, and in the last three weeks, they've been awful. It, it kind of started after the first Dallas loss. Yeah, you know, from that point forward, they were what was was kind of keeping that team afloat and now it's just coming apart at the seams and I don't want to hear about you know Dwayne Haskins got the ball out in 2.6 seconds yesterday well what do you think Dak Prescott's going to do on Sunday right you got to you got to come up with something here you know and Adrian Peterson getting guys out of their gaps he was real patient yesterday I mean yep. Zeke Elliott Zeke's going to eat them alive you don't think he saw that tape right you know so yes defensively that's certainly going to be a where big was where was Fletcher Cox no. yesterday where's, where's Fletcher Cox this season? season yeah just, really Really quick, on that that throw to Sanders, that to me was the most impressive throw by an Eagles quarterback since the Nick Foles to Corey Clement pass in the Super Bowl, I thought. That was, yeah, like, I mean, that was, that was a perfect timing throw. The one yesterday, that's the epitome of the just because he can doesn't mean he should. And yesterday was <laughs> he could... And his his guy could actually make that catch. That throw to Ward actually at the uh, end of the game sort of reminded me of the touchdown to Corey Clement on Monday Night Football against the Redskins two years ago, where yep. he just threaded it in the back corner. Yep. Beautiful throw. And and if we can get that Carson Wentz on Sunday, then I think we're going to have ourselves a, a football game. Now, it, I don't know how much time you want to spend looking in the past. I kind of want to look forward. It sets up a game with the Dallas Cowboys on on Sunday afternoon. At the link, 425. Cowboys, very impressive yesterday. And I think that a lot of people were waiting for them to lay down. All the money was on the Rams yesterday. They come out and they just stomped Los Angeles. And you can say that they're a fraud and, you know, that this wasn't their year. And I'll give you that. At the same time, Rams were favored to win that game on the road by the time kickoff happened. And it was a blowout. And the Rams have been playing better football the last couple weeks. So what do you make of that game yesterday? Do you look at that and say, "Uh uh-oh, like they're figuring it out? Because I don't. No. I'll tell you what. I don't. (laughs) Uh, That team stinks. They stink. They're a mess. I mean, they can't even get the freaking coin flip right yesterday. And they still won. They still dominated. They did. But the Rams are not a good team. They haven't been. Their coaches, okay. Rams have not been good this year. Sean McVay. Probably the most overrated coach in the league since Chip Kelly. Yeah, fair. The Cowboys have a pretty awful coach in Jason Garrett. That might be the only saving grace for the Eagles. Oh, it's not a saving grace. I think that Dallas stinks, Russ. I don't think they do. I, I just don't understand I don't, how... They are not, they're not a great team by any stretch. Their, but, de- their defense is not very good. Their offense is inconsistent. They're poorly coached. And so one what, and six and so against what, teams with a record over 500. Like, what? Yeah. why do people... You know, we've we've watched this team for 14 games. I've watched every single Cowboys game this season. 
What is the fascination with the Dallas Cowboys? Like, if you want to tell me that the Eagles are going to lose on Sunday because the Eagles aren't a very good team, and invariably they're going to trip up because it's just in their DNA this season, I'll give you that. I'll concede that point. We can talk about that all day long. But Dallas shows up and plays one good game for the first time this month, and now all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, see, it's clicking. It was one game. I mean, where, what are we saying about the previous three weeks? What do we say when their backs are up against the wall, when they were on national TV at home against the Buffalo Bills and got smacked? Yeah. And then they were embarrassed a week later, national TV primetime game. They couldn't get up for that one against the big, bad Chicago Bears, who, by the way, the Eagles whooped. Like, we're just going to discount those games entirely, but, hey, yeah, you know, Dallas showed up and dropped the 44 spot, ran for 263 on the Rams yesterday, who had quit by midway through the second quarter. Soon as uh, Jared Goff threw that interception to Sean Lee, game was over. They packed it in. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, Dallas could very well come in here, win this game, win the division, maybe even win a playoff game. I don't know, but I don't see it. I don't understand why all of a sudden everybody's so scared of this team. There's no reason to be scared of the Cowboys. There's none. What do they do that impresses you, Russ, that you say, you know, they're such a good team? They have a top three running back in the league. Okay. I think the interior uh, of the defensive line has had some issues. It's not quite as stout of a defense against the run as they had been in the last two years. That in and of itself can pose problems. I think if Dak Prescott, if, if Jason Garrett were an intelligent human being, which I'm not sure he is, if I'm Jason Garrett, I'm installing a game plan for this upcoming week that mirrors the kind of game that Russell Wilson plays against the Eagles. We're talking getting Dak out of the pocket. We're talking about extending plays. And eventually, one of the corners, one of the safeties missing an assignment and gutting the Eagles for long plays. I don't see this as a check down kind of game. I think the Eagles get gouged on a few big plays here or there. They get they get beat one-on-one no safety help over the top and something goes sideways like i just think that there's a possibility there this is what i'm with the weapons that dak has dak has the ability to be a top 12 quarterback in the league if things go well for him on any given day i think he can take over a game and the fact that you can't just stack against him or send the rush because he's got zeke as an easy option he still has the Immortal Jason Witten with, oh, with a good Jason with a, well, I'm saying with a good set of hands. He's he not. He's, he's done. He's not. He's a guy. He's yeah. He, he still has a good set of hands. He's still like a good check down blanket if he needs it. I just think that conceptually, the idea of saying that this Cowboys team doesn't have a shot to win. Oh no! That, well, no did anybody did, say that? Did anybody say they don't have a shot to win? I mean, nobody's saying they don't have a shot to win, but I'm talking about, and I'm not just saying you, Russ. Yeah. I'm not saying that you're the, the one banging the Cowboys drum here. I'm just talking about this city in general. I, I listened to Sports Talk Radio today. I've been on Twitter. I see how people are reacting and the way they're looking at this game. This is what I come back to. Are the Dallas Cowboys inconsistent? Yes. Have they beaten anybody of any quality this season? Up until yesterday? No. Kudos to them. Are they vulnerable against the big plays? Yes. Can you run the ball against them? Yes. Is the quarterback inconsistent? Yes. Is the coach horrible? Yes. Do they have a healthier set of weapons for They the have a healthier set of weapons, yes. And they are the more talented team in terms of overall personnel. But I have not seen And yet seen they this. have the same record as the yeah, Eagles. Sure. And how did they end up there? Sure. So, and by the way, if you take out, like, go from October forward... Which, hey, listen, I understand we're counting from week one here. Yeah. But after they got through the cupcakes in September, what have they been? Nothing. Where has anybody watched this team on a consistent basis and said, well, wow, you know, they they truly do pose a threat. Right. I think the Eagles have to worry about the Eagles in this game. It's not the opponent. If the Eagles 
have a solid game plan. They execute. We don't get the mental errors that we've seen from that defense the last few weeks. Avante Maddox, my God. Yes, Ronald Darby. Ronald Darby, week in, week out. If they can avoid those things, and that's my concern because I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen, but if they can avoid those things and not kill themselves in this game, I don't see any reason that they can't win it. We'll get into more about the Eagles, and of course we got to touch on the Phillies who introduced two free agent signings to the media today. We've got some weird Sixers conspiracy stuff going on over on the Twitterverse that we've got to get to on the other side. Plus, anything else you want to get to, give us a call, 888-728-9941. Again, that's 888-728-9941. This is Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Hi, I'm Russ Joy. And I'm Anthony Sanfilippo. If you're looking for the ultimate Flyers talk, there's only one place to go. The only Flyers radio show. Snow the Goalie. On 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Where you can hear Russ and I go back and forth on all things Philadelphia Flyers. Where we have frequent guests. Exclusive interviews. Exclusive interviews. The coach, the players, former players. Everyone you want to hear from Mondays from 5 to 6 p.m. Here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. And we're back here on Crossing Broadcast here on 610 ESPN Philadelphia. Hey, Russ, I got breaking news. I love breaking news. DraftKings Sportsbook is officially available in Pennsylvania. It's the trusted leader in daily fantasy, but DraftKings has brought their expertise to legal sports betting now, and it's already America's top-rated sportsbook app. Did you know that? I did. Yeah, because you said it last show. I sure did. Uh, With so much going on this week, you'll definitely want to take advantage of the convenience to bet wherever, whenever, with the DraftKings sportsbook app. Uh, This week, DraftKings has pro basketball promo. You won't want to miss this. It's simple. Bet on the Sixers to win if they score 76 points first and end up losing. You get your bet back up to $25. That's pretty good, right? 76 points. All you need is 76 points. Yeah. They came close to not getting that against Brooklyn, but that's okay. Um, Look, when they play at home, they've been, I think it's eight of the last 10 games they've won the first quarter. And I think it's five of the last 12. Yeah. You know, five of the last 11, they've won the first two quarters. Like, they get to 76 first. There you go. Uh, plus, DraftKings is based right here in the United States, not offshore. So, you know, your funds are safe and secure. And if you're already betting in PA with another book, take advantage of DraftKings' great sign up offer. So, download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the code CROSSINGBROAD when you sign up. And for a limited time, all new users can get a free bet just for signing up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with code CROSSINGBROAD to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet of up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. We're going to turn it over to our gambling expert, Bob Wankel. Big bet, Bob! For his pick of the week. Nice little week for me this week. 10-5. and five. That's good. Were those all your picks? So we've been tasked now with picking every game, which I don't advise the general public or general better to ever ever do. But Whose idea was that? Kyle's? That was from above. <laughs> but so we took every game and we gave a pick either on the total or on a side. And a nice little 10-5 and five week, so we're going to try to finish strong here. I'm on the Saints tonight, and I know they're laying a lot of points, but I look at this game, and my thing is this. There's two things that go into it for me. They're coming off a brutal loss last week Mm -hmm. to the 49ers at home. They've been pretty good 
in Drew Brees' career following a loss. 23-15 and 15 against the spread following a loss. They're 10-5 and 5 ATS following a loss of three points or less. That obviously applies here. I also look at Indy, and I've, I've looked at Indy a lot because Indiana went live with legal sports betting, so that's one of the things that we've been focusing on. I've watched a lot of Colts, uh, Colts games this year. I was really impressed with them early in the year in the middle of the season, especially in light of what happened with Andrew Luck and everything. They got to 6-4, and four, had a chance to win the division, make the playoffs. They looked like it, at the least they were going to be a wildcard team. They've lost three straight games. They lost in Tampa Bay last week. I just don't see how they get up for tonight. Their season's over. They're not making the postseason. You got this angry Saints team. They're jockeying for playoff position in the NFC. I'm going to lay the 8.5 and, and take the Saints. You, you don't think that the Colts have look at it and say, this is our last, this is uh, Waterloo in a Maybe. lot of ways? Since the Steelers lost, you know, they, get, they get a win. They're only a game out of a playoff spot again with two weeks to go. Yeah, I mean, it's it's entirely possible. That's why it's uh, called gambling, Anthony. That's just my no, thought. Yeah, I, 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 mean, think, maybe. I think you're right. I think the Saints win the game. I, I don't think the Saints lose, but I, that number is a little high for me. You know, I, when I, I was, uh, I, that's why I like the A couple people a were bit. kicking around the idea of uh, teasing it with the over, doing the same no, game tease, different. which I don't generally recommend. It might make some sense here. The only thing that gives me a little bit pause about the total is that as we're recording this, 635 on a Monday night, 83% of the money across all legal markets are on the over or is on the over, I should say, tonight. So, a little scary there. but hmm. So, I'm going to take my chances, and I'm going to roll with the Saints, and if I get beat, so be it. All right. Well, that's... Not believing in uh, Frank Reich, huh? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Bob Wankel's pick for tonight. Hey, if, you, uh, if you're if you going to do that uh, DraftKings Sportsbook, keep in mind you must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania-only restrictions apply. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <sighs> Let's talk. Just for a moment, We're, we are going to get to the Eagles again a little bit later in the show, including uh, how exactly you go ahead beating the blueprint, the blueprint for beating the boys in blue. Are they going to wear blue on Sunday? Uh, I saw somebody suggest last night that the Eagles should absolutely go white jersey, green pants again and force the Cowboys to wear those stupid navy blue jerseys. But yeah. the, the white, uh, the Eagles pants. will probably go with the midnight. Green, will they I go all black? How many times have the Eagles wore they've black won it, this season? They've wore it twice. Twice. Giants game and yeah. uh, the other. There was another night game. I believe right? Chicago. They okay. wore it. So against the Bears, oh, I believe well, yeah, they were. It would be right. fitting for them yeah. to wear black, though. Yeah. How many games are they allowed to wear them? Four? Is it four in a season? Or is it two? There's only two? I don't know. They're going to go midnight green, though. I know the Eagles. Ryan Lennox behind the glass says two. So they might have used up both of their yeah. uh, back and black possibilities. Uh, before we get to that, today the Philadelphia Phillies announced the signings. They revealed to the public Didi Gregorius and Zach Wheeler, the two big free agent signings for the team. Uh, not the most exciting moves. And with pretty much every other major free agent off the board, Anthony Rendon went to the Angels, Garrett Cole, the peace Yankees. out Cub Scout, went up to the dreaded New York Yankees. There's really nothing to fall back on. Did Ru- uh, Ryu sign yet? No. No. Former Dodger. Does he no. move the needle for you at all? Uh, if you get involved, if you're the Phillies? the right price, maybe, okay. but anyway, I don't, I don't foresee he fe- that. He fell off the table yeah, a little really bit did. last year. Struggled yeah. at the end. Yeah. Yeah, we could talk about this a little bit. Uh, so Anthony and I uh, recorded a podcast last week, Crossed Up. You should check that out if you ha- haven't heard it before. We're talking a little baseball. I think Anthony and I are kind of on the same page here. The Phillies are in a vacuum doing the right things. You know, you look at the D.D. Gregorius signing. It's a one-year deal, $14 million. He's a good player. He adds a little bit of pop. Good defensive player. Clubhouse leader. Good glue guy. Feel pretty good about that signing. However, I look at this lineup and I just I still have concerns about its depth overall. 
Zach Wheeler, I think, certainly is a market upgrade from the you know from a, the rotation standpoint. I like the deal. Five years, reasonable money, shade over a hundred million dollars. And I, the the problem for me though is that. They're still lacking depth in the back of the rotation. I can't go into a season where you have Nick Pavetta or Vince Velasquez pitching meaningful innings. I don't see the path right now for the Phillies. I guess, in short, I don't see the path of how this team gets from 500 to becoming a playoff contender. And I don't mean fringe wildcard contender that in August is sitting two games out and we're going, oh, well, maybe they have a shot. I mean a team that can win 90 to 93 games and be in the thick of the National League pennant chase. How do they get from where they currently are to that point? Because despite what Matt Klintak said today, this team is not ready to win the NL East. I'll tell you what annoyed me the most about Klintak today. He says, oh, it's, you know, we, we're going to pair Zach with Aaron Nola and the rest of our young pitching staff, I'm like, we we literally going to go back to the same. Yeah, we're going to do this. We again? had this. We talked about this on the on the end of the season. We did it here, Bob. We sat here on uh, doing crossed up, and we said they cannot bring that same rotation back. Velazquez, Eflin. Uh, Arietta and Pavetta, some mixture of them, as the three, four, five. They can't. They have to. They need somebody else, and they're not. They're, they're, that's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to bring. Uh, they're going to give us that same pitching rotation. You can sell me on Zach Eflin as your number five starter, yeah, because he's going to give you those three or four starts in a row where right. six innings, okay one run. It. You're like, wow, look at this month he's having, and then he's going to go through struggles. That's what he is. Fine. You cannot give me Zach Eflin as your five and then some combination. I don't, and I don't care if it's a battle or competition between Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez as the other piece in that rotation. No. It just cannot be. Again, qualifier here, it's December 16th. They have time, but it sure sounds like that that's the plan. Now, I know a lot of people were reacting to this press conference today saying, well, it sure sounds like the Phillies have another move up their sleeve. And my response to that will be, perhaps, but it's not going to be something that they can control. They're going to need somebody else to play ball with them. So if we're talking about Chris Bryant and they can work a trade there or something of that caliber, it's an, it's really the move that they have to make. Like They need to add another difference maker, whether it be in this rotation or into this lineup, because if they go in as currently constructed, you're talking, in my estimation, 82 to 84, if everything breaks right, everything breaks right, and you go out and you're able to make a move at the deadline, maybe somewhere in the 86 to 88 range. So if you're... But after 10 years of this now... It's it's time, you know. Like we, it's time. You you've got to give me more than this, and and that's my frustration with the Phillies. Forget the luxury tax. Forget that. I don't care what you spend or how you got to do it. You've got to get at least one more difference maker in here. Per Spotrack, they are at 185 million on their payroll right now. Baseball Reference has them at 182 for an 82 to 84 win team. If you're an opposing GM, knowing everything you know about this organization, knowing everything you know about probably the desperation they're going to feel to make that other big move, this just puts another GM in the perfect position to get that one extra asset out of this team, does it not? It might. You know, the the problem that the Phillies face, though, is a guy like Chris Bryant, there's going to be multiple teams that will want a player like him. Can the Phillies match 
what say like the if the Atlanta Braves woke up tomorrow morning and said like let's get involved and there's been rumors that they might be interested. The Braves have the the the, the farm system. They can blow the, the Phillies, Phillies out yeah, of the water in any have. potential deal. So you know it's it's twofold. It's yeah. I mean, do they can they leverage the Phillies' desperation against them? Yeah, sure. They can probably also leverage the fact though. Other teams are going to be involved in this. This is not a one-team market, or it won't be if they really do move forward with trying to trade him. So my take on the Phillies right now is that, yeah, it's like a decent start, and certainly they're better than they were when they closed last season, but I don't know if it really makes all that much of a, a material difference. I, I, don't know, I don't know how much better they are, Bob. I, I, yes, Wheeler's an upgrade. I think you're better because you don't have – you're not – in any way, shape, or form, able to talk yourself into Mike Alfranco or Cesar Hernandez in meaningful okay, ways this year. I, and, that, and that's fine. But really, when you look at that infield, are, are Kingery, Gregorius, Segura, is that a is that like a, a marked incre- improvement over the production you got out of, out of that infield last year? It's amazing. I think the key to this whole thing, if this is how the Phillies are going to move forward and we're not going to add to it in a meaningful way, I think that... Scott Kingery is so vital to how this is going to play out. He's got to be better. And is Scott Kingery going to continue to ascend? You know, certainly 2019 was so much better than 2018. Super encouraging in a lot of ways. I think he's a hard worker. Just being around him a little bit, I think he's got it. I think he's got the personality. I think he's got the the mental makeup to be a successful player in this city. I really do. I see success for him as we move forward. At the same time, Scott Kingery went through a dreadful spell in the second half. And, you know, are you going to get a player who continues to ascend, or is he just kind of what he is at this point? And if he is what he is, you're putting a lot of faith in him. You know, you're putting a lot of faith in Andrew McCutcheon returning from this knee injury. As a, You're putting a lot of faith in Adam Hazley. You're yeah, putting a lot Adam, of faith in Segura being, your, Segura being better than he was last year. You're putting a lot of faith in Gregorius finally getting over to that 300 on base plateau and hitting 25 home runs again. And you're, Reese Hoskins coming Hopkins back from... Coming, there's a lot of ifs yet me, again. Let's and this talk was, about this. We talked about this last year. And we said, we said going into the season... Yeah, this team. Well, I don't know. There's a lot of ifs. They need a lot of ifs to happen. And then we, so we looked at it. We thought they were like an 85 win team. They only won 81 games, and people were disappointed. Well, guess what? There's a, right now, December 16th. There's a lot of ifs with this team. And if this team looks like this going into into spring training, you're looking at the same thing. All right, you you know, you know where I'm going to go with this. Doesn't this feel a lot like the same kind of storylines that the Flyers had? They made an off-season signing that wasn't going to blow your doors off. It was it was a good signing for what it was. You've got your number two starter, pick up a number two center. You get a couple of guys that are sort of depthy, maybe had a, a positive track record in the past. You went out and got a a manager, a coach, who took a team to the promised land. In the case of Girardi, he actually won it. But there's not a whole lot to sell the fans on in terms of being a markedly better team and oh by the way you're up against your self-imposed cap like to me from the outside this isn't like these two moves together aren't the kind of move that makes me want to get back into watching 162 Phillies games like I used to this isn't something that makes me want to get back in on watching half of the games I feel like there still has to be that move because if not like sure 
Are there young guys on this team that you can still market around? Aaron Nola's still a guy you can market around. Reese Hoskins, I, I guess you still market around, but I think there have been enough flaws um, found in this game that... They, they have it, a guy named Bryce Harper, I, Russ. I, I, I was get, that was the one I was going to get to. <laughs> well, that's all you needed to say. That's the only one you need. Hector Neris. They have, they, have, <laughs> they have one guy that they could really market around, and then, and then maybe, 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 maybe two others. People are still going to go see the Phillies the first half of the season because of Bryce Harper and because they should be pretty competitive and because it's baseball. But yeah, the fringe fan or the guy that's like kind of interested or wants to be interested but just doesn't really feel compelled at this point, I think that it's going to take a hot start. You're going to get some people back to that Kapler's gone because they're going to say like, now you've got a real manager and that yeah. those, those folks are going to come back now too. But yeah, I mean, I think the Phillies have to get off to a good start. If not, then it's going to be another one of these like, yeah, I guess we'll go see him. I mean, the attendance, the second half of the season, I know tickets may have been already sold, but it, people were not Flyers. filling up those seats. It was, it was rough. It was a rough season and I guess I'm just a little bit afraid that that we're headed back down a similar like yeah they're not terrible they'll they'll they're just not good enough and to sustain success there's the other problem in this too is that casual fan who also looks at it now says to somebody who's a little bit more knowledgeable about the sport where do they rank in the NL East are they close well no I mean Washington they're the third best the team series, right now and Atlanta is by far the deepest team at the major league level and by far in terms of their farm system. Yeah. So it, that... I think they know this, though. I mean, you know, whether or not they actually act on it or do something about it, I think internally they know that they are not of the same caliber as the Atlanta Braves or as the Washington Nationals. It's just a matter of do they want to act on it prior to the season starting? And that's the question they're going to have to answer. And do they possess the creativity? And this is something I've been harping on now for two years. Do they possess the creativity and the resourcefulness to maybe make a deal that's not so blatantly obvious? Because the only thing that we've really seen this front office be able to do is say, good player, commands big money, we have the big money to give that good player, sign him. Where are those secondary moves that require a little savviness that, that can maybe help round this thing out? And uh, that's, that's my concern. What would you think of like a like a Sergio Romeo or Romo? Romo? Sergio Romo, God, he's got to be the opener. He's got to be what in his mid thirties at this point. Oh, I mean, he's, he's later. Been, I think he's thirty eight. Yeah, Romo. Why? There's a report online saying right now that uh, says the Phillies might be scooping him up. Good. That's not bad. Or, or what about Donaldson from the Braves? He's available now. You got to sign him to four years. I don't think they want to give up four years for Donaldson. So three might yeah. get it done, but I think it's you're looking three to four years. Nope, Sergio Ramos just went back to, or Sergio Romo just went to the Twins. Oh, there you go. Boom, there it is. So he's probably in line to have a good season because the Twins have some foresight and are pretty crafty. <laughs> <laughs> so he actually go. had a decent season yeah. last year, yeah. Romo. I mean, for what he is, for his age, it's just a veteran guy. I don't like the bullpen right now. Yeah. I just, I what do they do to the bullpen? The bullpen's bad in the rotation. I hated the bullpen the rotation last year. I hated the bullpen last year, and they haven't corrected. They haven't done anything to it. It's the same bullpen. Is the lineup markedly better? No, it, it could be. Uh, I mean, it could be if just Gregorius like, has like a major bounce back. Positive regression with Reese Hoskins. I think that's going to be a key question. What is Reese Hoskins? I think that we know he's not a superstar, but is he a two sixty hitter that can draw walks and pop you thirty five home runs? Is that what he is? If he can be that, then that's going to help them. Does the manager make a difference of three to four games? If you ask 
if you ask if a lot Anthony, of people in the city, wins, yeah, no, maybe he's much. the maybe he wins Six? you a handful of games. I think it's four. So maybe I mean, yeah, build your path to eighty-five wins. So yeah, it's four. I just don't. I just don't like the makeup of the team. I just don't. Yeah, it's it's. There have to be more moves. There have to. Be. I mean, and there will be more right. moves. It's just what will they be? Yeah. But as it's as we sit here now, there's just no way you can you can pretend that the Phillies are a, a legit contender to win a division. No, right they're now. not. All right. Before we get to the blueprint, a team that's making move: Philadelphia 76ers. They've kind of righted the ship. They had a terrible game against Brooklyn. Did you just say they, they righted the ship after losing I by ju- 20 points said, to Brooklyn? They, aside from the loss to Brooklyn. Oh, aside from the last game that they played. <laughs> they can trend in a good direction and lose a game. Where is losing that points. game last night a sign of just immaturity? Yes. Is that all that is? So no, it's it's part of the problem with the NBA right now. The players have bought into the notion that the season is too long and the games don't matter, and it it has become something that has not only permeated the league among the veteran players. The younger players are now coming into the league with the same thoughts. The the notion of load management and the fact that the league never acted on it when San Antonio did it and now they don't act on it when you see stars across the league sitting out games that is starting to to kind of bubble to the surface I think these players are now of the opinion that if they continue to kind of fan the flames of this that Adam Silver and and the owners are going to shorten the season to 74 76 games they're talking about doing the mid-season play-in tournament there are a lot of things that the league could do to make the regular season meaningful. But as of right now, most of these players, especially on ones that are good teams or are thought to be contenders, they just, you don't get up for these games. Brooklyn was without Kyrie Irving. Sure, you're re- without Joel Embiid. You should still win that game. You should win that game going away. And they didn't do it. If it's the end of the season and you're trying to get yourself tuned up for a playoff run, then by all means, you go out and you crush. But this team has had an issue with putting the opposition away uh they are absolutely lethal and deadly at home the last time i looked they were third in the nba in defensive rating they're a good team they're undefeated at home they certainly have the top end talent they're a good depth team uh they might not be for much longer trey burke's dad uh put on i think it was twitter it was also going around instagram to get his son off the team and it was liked by Kyle O'Quinn who I like Kyle O'Quinn seemed like a lovely guy talking about like going and crashing bar mitzvahs like seems like a like a a jolly fellow but he liked that post and so then Sixers Twitter decided to start getting on their burner gate hats and wanted to go break the whole thing down Um, they're going to end up being a top two team they're not going to get the number one seed Giannis is the most determined young player this side of Luka Doncic and he's not going to let his teammates fall into these kind of trap games like the Sixers did now will they win the conference yeah Milwaukee probably will will they be the representative in the NBA finals no they won't that will be the Sixers because they have three guys who can guard Giannis so you're telling me that they're they're going to win the regular season so you don't you'll be the regular season one seed or playoff yeah. one seed and then the Sixers will get them in the playoffs yeah. you, you don't think because you I don't think, think Milwaukee will find a second banana for Giannis they they're, before the playoffs. their best second fiddle they had was Malcolm Brogdon and they let him leave I get I understand that they, but what I'm do, saying do to they you have the assets the do they have the assets to go get somebody yes yeah they that's, could. Yeah, that's what they I'm, could. But what? And I think that's what they'll do. What star players? Have, they, okay, so here conceptually, here's an issue. JJ Redick is being rumored of moving out of New Orleans. Milwaukee has the cap space and the assets to make a, a deal work. 
right? Another shooter that's problematic for the Sixers. If you, the way to beat the Sixers right now is to just bomb from deep, hit near a forty-five percent clip from deep, and and you'll have your way with this team. It's the only thing that that they really struggle to defend, and you're not going to score on the inside. So, could Milwaukee go out and get another guy? They they could. We have to see. Like I, maybe I have to I have to reflect on on that prediction when we get closer to the trade deadline. If they leave everything as is and they make kind of like the Nikola Mirotic moves like they did at, at the deadline last year, then, uh, you know, I, I'm not a big Milwaukee believer. You always have a team in the regular season that is lights out regular season. I think back to the, the Steve Nash Phoenix Suns teams that just ran other teams off the court. You got into playoff basketball into half court and all of a sudden that just kind of vanished. Well, what if they go JJ and Cuff? You have to make a. They're, last, willing, they're so willing to go the, above the, the luxury last, tax. The last time that I looked at the Bucks roster, I think that would then cost you at least four players going out, and probably two of them are quasi difference makers. You'd also fundamentally be changing the way that you play. Covington would be an interesting pickup. Uh, I think you can also try to make the the point of getting Andre Iguodala. That would almost be more worrisome for me, if I were the Sixers. Because Covington is obviously a better 3 and D guy. Why don't they just trade for all of them and they'll be the ex-Sixers against the Sixers? Yeah, there you go. We'll, we'll see. I think the Iguodala thing is, is a much bigger issue, but I think a Western Conference team is going to try to pluck him away from Memphis. He hasn't right. played a game this season. Let's get back to the, the yeah, blueprint. Yeah, we've got we to wrap up. Wrap this yeah, up. we got, I think, two minutes left. Anthony, you're telling me for the last month that the Eagles are going to win the NFC East, so yep. they have Dallas on Sunday. Yep. Uh, Two-and-a-half-point underdog at home. 538 gives the Eagles a 55% chance to win the game. ESPN gives I Dallas hate, I, I, a I hate that nonsense. 55% chance to win the game. So, so how do you so so that's what I'm who saying. Who knows? Right? Okay. That's what I hate those right, well, stupid So then algorithms. give me the blueprint uh, as to how the Eagles are going to pull this off on Sunday. Just because they're the, the Cowboys are a team that implodes on itself all too often. So what's that going to look like? Is that going to be the defense stepping up, creating a couple turnovers? No, Is I think it going to, I think to be, be an ugly game? I don't think it's going to be – I think we're going to hate watching it. I think it'll be close the whole way through. And it's going to come down to – it's a field goal game at the end. You know, Jake Elliott kicks – kick, Jake Elliott, for me, kicks a winning field goal and the Eagles win something like 23-21 or something like that. That's what it is. I mean, it's not going to be pretty. We're going to hate it. We're going to, we're going to be complaining about bad coverage. We're going to be complaining about missed tackles. We're going to be complaining about Carson throwing over somebody, Jack Hurts' head for two and a half quarters, and then he's great in the end. We're going to be complaining about all the same stuff we complain about every week, but the Eagles are going to win the game. Russ, what do you got Sunday? We're the only show making predictions on a Monday. <laughs> Get out ahead of it. Dallas Ooh. walks in, historically plays better, in recent years at Lincoln Financial Field. Ezekiel Elliott goes for 135 yards. No. Two, two touchdowns. Nobody rushes for that By much the Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles win. Wow. So you, and we, and we all sit, this. And we sit in here on Monday applauding the Eagles defense despite Jim Schwartz playing picket defense to end the game. That's where I think we're at. I think the Eagles defense forces two turnovers in the game. Wow. They wow. might get a touchdown on Getting one of them. Get some laughter in the other room there behind the glass. <laughs> Eagles win. It's going to be a low-scoring game. 
but they end up winning. I kind of like the fact that Dallas rolled yesterday. The last couple of times the Eagles have seen the Cowboys, like you go back to last year, they had lost on Monday Night Football to the Titans, and people had the caskets out before the game in Philly, right? And then like the Cowboys just rise to the occasion. They win the game. They go on the hot streak. Earlier this season, it was the loss to the Jets. I like the fact that Dallas won. Let them th- let everybody think that they're going to they're going to come in here. I just don't trust Dallas. I don't know how it happens. I really don't. I just don't see it. I think the Eagles do beat them. I got one thing to say though. And I'm not changing my prediction. Eagles are going to win the division. Oh. But wouldn't it be the most Eagles Wrong. thing ever to win and then to lose, lose to the Giants and then lose we the Giants? We said that last week. Oh, yes. you weren't you weren't here for that part. I missed that. I'm last sorry. Week. Yeah. That was the thing. Yeah, I could see that happening. <laughs> We didn't do a Mount Rushmore because Kevin wasn't here. Yeah. Uh, really quick, what's your least favorite Christmas song to hear on the radio? The Christmas Shoes with the kid in the store buying the shoes for his mom. You ever hear That's that one? one? I hate that really? song. Yeah. Anthony? Dominic the Donkey. I agree with you on that one. Uh, <laughs> you know what the other one is? Hee-haw, hee-haw. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. I don't like the, the Lennon one. The war is over. The, oh, oh, that's my uh, God. yeah, uh, yeah. That it's Dump. it's in, it's infuriating. There's also the uh, Last Christmas. Was that Wham? Was it Wham? How Last dare you, Christmas, sir. I give not, you my heart. It's not good. The Taylor Swift one, also not good. Somewhat more. That's of not a good like, song, but it's tolerable. like grown on me. I've just accepted really? Last Christmas That's by Wham. Next week, I think we'll reveal our Mount Rushmore of. Christmas movies? Yeah, we'll do are you Christmas not coming to the Flyers game next Monday? Yeah, I'll be there. So we're doing the same thing? Buddy, we're going to probably do the same thing we did a while back. I think that you and I should probably both stay for the show next week because it's not like the Flyers are going to go on some win streak. You know what? We no, broke down you can the, leave early. It's fine. Why don't you leave early? We broke, we'll get it taken care of. I'll just go home. <laughs> we broke down the uh, Flyers games and uh, those, those storylines over on Snow the Goalie, so make sure you go check that out as well. And if you missed any part of the show today, make sure you go check out Crossing Broadcast over on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever to get your podcast. Thank you to Ryan Legs on that side. Bob, Anthony, Kevin, we'll see you next week.